This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. All right, another week of the opening kickoff is here. Thanks for hanging with us on this Monday edition. We're here for the next three hours right here on the sports station, WNSP and WNSP.com. We will obviously preview tonight's national championship game, spend a lot of time on yesterday's women's game, and, oh, man, there's so much more to get to over uh, the span. Good morning, sir. Happy uh, happy new week. Happy new week to you also. Happy Monday to everybody and to Nick. uh, Welcome back. Yeah, uh, before we get into some of the uh, uh, headlines, uh, we give away today a Chick-fil-A gift card, and we'll also give away Jag baseball tickets at 6.30. Your choice of four tickets for f- either Thursday, Friday, or Saturday when the Jags host Texas State. Yeah, who would be thinking that as the, you got the championship game tonight, Connecticut-San Diego State, you got Masters Week, big-time event coming up, that we'd be talking a lot about women's basketball. But I'll tell you, it was – it wasn't the only game in town yesterday, but it's the most talked about game in town. Sure, you had Major League Baseball, you had XFL football, you had golf, you had NASCAR. But the big story was the victory by LSU over Iowa and by the score of 102-87. And we, we had people over yesterday, Mark. The game was on TV, but I it was tough for me to sit down and like I like to be in my own little cocoon and just not have any distractions and follow the game. So as people were going in and out, they would, because we were outside also, they would tell me what the score is. And so when I went in and I saw where LSU was winning big in the third quarter, I thought maybe it was the fourth quarter. It was only the third quarter. And of course, at that time, Iowa had mounted a comeback and, where I walked in, and you saw the game, so you know more about this than me. Uh, Caitlin Clark had just been called for technical, and and that they had cut the lead from 21 down to nine. So you figure, well, maybe they'll make a run in the fourth quarter. But I, I think that technical, and would they have two or three shots on it? I, I it seemed like the girl for LSU was at the line for a long, long time, but they got back to double digits, and you know. People would I, I this was me. I'm not gonna say other people. I thought for sure if there was gonna be an SEC team that won this whole thing it was South Carolina. And well, it wasn't. Well, there are a lot of different things we need to talk about here. First of all, the fact that we're talking about a women's college basketball game uh is great for the sport, great for the country, whatever you wanna say, it it's it it is worthy of your time. If you didn't watch the game you missed out. And I don't say that about any game. Like, I don't watch NIT games. I don't watch a lot of the tournament games. But this game was as good as any game I've seen in the NCAA tournament this year. Talking men, too? Men, too. Because I don't... I mean, this is probably the... the, I can guarantee you this is the first women's game I watched from start to finish. Well, I would say this, and I, I see where you're coming from. But if you saw San Diego State and FAU, you have to put that up there, too. Because any time a game comes down to the last shot, well, that's great. Yeah, but this game was as entertaining from start to finish as any game I've seen in a long time. And there, So, with all of that said, 
everybody is talking about Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark. And when do you draw the line between what is classy and classless taunting? This is the only thing anybody's talking about, which is a shame because LSU shot the absolute, use your expletive here, the ball. Just shot lights out. And Caitlin Clark did not disappoint. But at the end of the day, people are enraged by Angel Reese's taunting at the end of the game. And so, I will say this. Yes, Caitlin Clark did a lot of what Angel Reese did. Caitlin Clark's been doing it all year. So, if, you were, if you're going to taunt the way that Caitlin Clark did, then you have to be ready... For retribution or revenge or whatever when the shoe's on the other foot. The only difference I would say in this, other than this being a big race war on social media all of a sudden, is the fact that Angel Reese literally tracked down Caitlin Clark and did it right, like went looking for her and went right at in her face. Whereas... And it was premeditated where Caitlin Clark is a little bit more reactionary to in the moment. Uh, I don't like either one of them, quite frankly. I don't really think there's a need for it. Uh, But it has taken away from what was an unbelievable performance by both teams and both players. But, and I'm throwing a lot out at you, this is great for the sport. Well, great for the sport. What you're saying, though, you're also taking away from the great coaching of Kim Mulkey who was a Hall of Fame coach in her fourth title. And how about the fact that they had very little contribution from their bench in the win over Virginia Tech and that Jasmine Carson had a total of 11 points. And I know this is irrelevant to what you're talking about because obviously people aren't giving her the due, but she comes off the bench and scores 21 in the first half to give LSU the big lead. Personally, you know, and I I have – I don't really care about all that stuff, this social media back and forth. And look, Caitlin Clark did it. What goes around comes around. And and I think you hit on the, the right word. Class doesn't exist anymore in sports, if you know what I mean. I mean, but see, here's the thing. Afterwards, if you the, the quotes, by it didn't seem to bother anybody. I, I didn't see where it bothered Clark. I didn't see where it bothered those that were in the game that they've just accepted that this is the way basketball and other sports are with trash talking and taunting or whatever. But uh, nobody seemed to really get out of kilter except, as you said, social media. Well, I do think, and did you see it, Nick? You might want to jump in on this because I do. The reason I I bring you in on this is because I think if this kind of thing went on in the NBA, the way in which Angel Reese did it, I think would get her in trouble in the NBA. Uh, I don't know about that. I do. It's all she did was that you can't see me. But the problem is, is she went up to her. And yeah. did it in her face. Oh, like when you see when you see Steph put the baby to bed or go to sleep or when Dame Time does his thing. Or well, What about when Patrick Beverly did the you're too small right to LeBron and then he did it again to make sure that he saw That's it? That's a good point. That's a good and point. And everybody was just like, oh, Pat Bev, you're crazy, man. Okay, me being out of mainstream with all this, what is the big deal you can't see me? I don't get it. So what's, what's the... 
So I've never even heard of it until this weekend. What's you, the big you, deal about it? You know who John Cena is? Yes, of course I do. All right. So when he was a WWE wrestler, his like go-to taunt was, "You can't see me," and he'd like wave his hands in front of his face, and so now people just have started doing that. But you can see him. <laughs> I don't get it. What you can't see me? He's right there. I, I don't get the whole thing though. Help me. Uh, it's just a form of trash talk. It's right. uh, like yeah, it's like uh, it's like if Reggie when Reggie Miller did the choke thing to. I understand like the choke. Lee, yeah, he the wasn't choke. Actually that, choking. No, but uh, I understand that. But you can't see me when the person is standing right there. It doesn't it, make. It's like saying you're not. Um, like it's if not, you do that to me, same, you're not on the same level as me. Right, you're yeah. not you, competitively. You can't. Ha- you can't hang with me. You're not on the. Uh, the whole after she set a tournament record for points. Right. Well, that's the problem with trash talk. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's just one but upping. Le- but you I'm know, like you. when you try to get someone on the show and you go through all the avenues Boom. and like they're so big time you can't even get to them or talk to them. Thank you. I think it's kind of like that vibe. Like you, they're doing that on the other side of the phone. You can't I, see me, Lee. I had a lot of that this weekend, so thank you. But I mean, like. What goes around comes around. And and believe me, Caitlin Clark, and I'm with you, she's every bit the person who does that. I saw her after the win over South Carolina. Yeah. She's going around doing that. I and, and I started to think about this. You know, uh, Amy, the overnight host, was saying, you know, oh, you expect women to be class, classy and so forth. That's gone out the window in sports. I mean, it, it still exists. And, you know, they had the proverbial handshake. I didn't see that was any problems, you know, that went on with no, them. No, Mulkey was actually very complimentary of— Very. Uh, yeah, of Caitlin Clark. She's, she's, a, she's quite a coach. Did you watch? I know you did. You, you obviously yeah. see her dress, or, but she's, like, very aggressive. Uh, credit LSU and her. I mean, she did—you know, we talk about transfers and everything. A lot of that LSU team transfers— that come in there in less than two years, she produces a national title. That's what's getting overlooked. I know the Angel Reese and so forth, and she's a good player, and she had a good game. But the fact of the matter is when you look at this win, it was the LSU bench. Most of these players were in foul trouble, which I think leads to the other issue, the 37 fouls that were called in the game. Yeah, a lot uh, a lot of people were on both sides. The, the officiating crew had a really tough game, really tough game. Uh, but uh, Iowa had three of its starters in foul trouble. Uh, one ultimately fouled out. Um, Caitlin Clark got picked up her fourth personal on the technical, which was actually uh, not a not the worst call in the world. Uh, when you when they just explained why she got it, it it was a little I wouldn't have called it, but so they already had gotten a delay of game penalty. Uh, Iowa did you know when you touch the ball I think it's a dumb rule but when the ball goes to the hoop if you touch the ball and even if you throw it back to the ref you touch it you're going to get a warning for delay of game and so what happened was she had the ball they called a timeout so she kind of threw it to the baseline and because she didn't throw it exactly she didn't throw it to an official by rule it's a delay of game even though it was a dead ball which is why she picked up the technical which also wound up being her fourth so I thought uh, LSU was a lot more athletic, but Iowa, um, I thought, played hard. They just, they dom. I thought they were really, both teams were real violent in the post, man. Um, 
mark 102 points. That's an all-time record. Think about that. Women's basketball. If you even get to a men's game in a tournament getting close to that, 102 points. It's mind-boggling. But this is what bothers me, that the officiating. And, and look, the coaches kind of backed off. They, they said, yeah, they, were, they backed off a little bit about the officiating. But aren't you supposed to have the best officials in your championship game? Aren't you supposed to bring in the best of the best? I mean, it's the only game in town. It's, it's, and, and I do have a guest coming on to talk about this, that this, this takes uh, pr- uh, not priority, but that there's so much, let's say controversy over some of the calls that were made and some of the uneven officiating that went on. It wasn't just the technical on Caitlin Clark, but as you pointed out, a number of good players were sitting on that bench in the first half, first quarter, second quarter. In the app, if you walk the walk, you can talk the talk. No problem with either talking. Uh, Reese is self-absorbed. I have no problem with it to the winner goes the spoils. So you guys are off and running early on it. Um, Yeah, I'm with the app, man. You're like, bring it? Yeah, like, we wouldn't be talking about women's basketball if Caitlin Clark didn't talk as much crap as she did. I agree with that, for sure. She, like, I don't know, man. It's just, I think we're maybe looking for something to get offended at. There's really nothing. None of the players are offended. None of the coaches are offended. And here we are. I don't know if it's a media thing or what, but trying to sensationalize some controversy when look like Caitlin Clark she was talking all that smack doing the you can't see me I can't hear you and then she loses you have to expect they're going to do it back to rub it in your face and they did yep uh the only and again I, I say this again the only problem I had with it was she tracked her down you gotta let her know Oh, I, I, I got to make sure she sees. Yeah, I, I think she did. But she if you saw the video at the end of the game that is being replayed consistently on, on social media, she like follows her around for a good 10 seconds. It's not like she just walks by her and gives her the you can't yeah. see me. She literally goes to her, stares at her, gives her the in right in her face and then and then points to the ring finger. Or, and again, I think if that. If that's done it, it, in that same situation in a men's game or an NBA game, I think they're hands thrown. I mean, if you do it the same exact way, it's one I don't thing. Think so. I do. Oh, ab- no, dude, because she went after. You her. know it's coming. Like Caitlin Clark, she she's probably like, damn, I know they' about to get me on this one. Just looking around, waiting for them to track her down and start taunting her. I, I don't think she's actively going. I don't think. I think it's different when someone is actively trying to pursue you. Like, look, like where is she? Where is she? And then running to her. It's and Pat in her Bev face. energy, man. Well, she, she got that Pat Bev energy. Well, then you can't be you can't be surprised that because if we we're comparing them, to Pat Bev, Pat Bev gets that same. Welcome back in. You guys can jump in at 694-1055. You want to talk Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark. That seems to be the national story of the day. 
Uh, 694-1055. Got a nice local story, Mark. You know, we've talked a lot about Sarah Lynn and their athletes out there. Morgan Davis is a repeat winner, the MVP of the Mobile College of Champions. We'll be out at Sarah Lynn, I think, uh, right around April 21st for our championship drive. This week, we'll be going to uh, Theodore. How about that? Looking forward to that. And they got themselves a new football coach, so we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that, among other things. I will mention, too, because obviously this gets overshadowed, but Alabama's already gotten a verbal for 2025 from a big lineman, Mason Short, 65302. He's from Georgia. That's their second uh, verbal for 2025. You know who the first is, Ryan Williams. There you go. In the app, the tournament became all about the personalities instead of the game. Cameras just following Reese around watching her antics. If the camera wasn't there, she found it. Uh, Kim Mulkey and her outfits and sequins and her attitude. Refs don't even want to make a call against her. Unfortunately, that's what makes leagues successful is personalities. We talked about it for years about the 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 NBA kind of promoted, and I think to this day still does, promotes individual talents and personalities, not teams. Um, and I think the NFL has kind of shifted that way, especially with free agency Um and, man, even college athletics now with the transfer portal. Um, well, let me say this. The unsung hero of all of this is LSU's athletic director, Scott Woodward. If you know anything about Scott, you know that he goes after high-profile coaches. You saw how he brought Brian Kelly down there. A couple of years ago, he took – I'm not going to say stole, but took Kim Mulkey away from Baylor. She had three national titles at Baylor. She was very famous as a player when she was at Louisiana Tech, and they won a a national championship also. But in less than two years, she produces a championship. And if you go through the roster, Reese was a transfer from Maryland. Carson was a two-time transfer. So like men's basketball, women's basketball also relying on the portal. Well, to to the listener's point, though, personality is what's going to sell tickets. It's what's going to have you tune in. Uh, it's it may be what you hate about the sport, and I say sport in general, but it's also what drives sports. Um, you know, look at the NBA is a perfect example of that. I mean, you guys may not like the NBA, and I say you guys in general, but there's a reason why it's as popular as it is. There's this reason. There's a reason why that game last yesterday was so popular, and it wasn't because Iowa was playing LSU. It was because Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark had been going off all tournament. It's because Mulkey had that, wears those goofy outfits like her granddaughter does. And yes, should she, should, should she have gotten teed up? Yeah, probably. When she made contact with the ref, you have to blow the whistle there. I agree. But she's great for the game. And it's just kind of where we are. Think about what we talk about in terms of the NFL. Who have we been talking about this offseason? Lamar, Aaron Rodgers. And it doesn't really have to do with anything they do on the field. It's all about what they do off the field. Blake Stein is next. We'll talk some baseball right here on the Sports Station WNSP. Look at them Jaguars, look at them Jaguars, love the way they play that game. Look at them Jaguars, scoring them home runs, the Sun Belt's gonna be their fame. 6.32, 
man, that gets the blood pumping on a Monday morning. All right, we're going to give away some Jag baseball Run through tickets. a wall. Yeah, they're going to uh, got their home this week, and they uh, play Tuesday night. And I've got four tickets for anybody for either Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. The uh, Jags hosting Texas State. You get, you get your choice. If you get the question right, you call Nick 694-1055. You get the question right, you can either you can tell him if you want Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. Four tickets. All right. Name the Major League Baseball player this weekend who hit three home runs in one game. Three home runs in one game. I'll give you a hint. His brother is very, very popular and famous in the NBA. If that helps you a little bit, all right? Want to give away the tickets and obviously get somebody out there. A lot went on with baseball, of course. Most of the talk about the new rules, the pitch clock, and so forth. Blake Stein used to be a pitcher in Major League Baseball. Uh, Kansas City comes to mind. Uh, he's uh, on the line with us right now, an administrator at McGill Tool. And Blake, welcome to the opening kickoff this Monday morning. Good morning. Good morning, guys. How are y'all? I'm doing wonderful. So from an overview, uh, do you like what's happening so far there's about the uh, pitch clock and picking up the tempo of the games and quite a few games were over in two hours and 30 minutes. What's your, uh, what's your first uh, look at this? Well, I mean, I've always liked the pitch clock. I was, um, we never had one when I pitched in the minors or in the, uh, the big leagues, but when I went to the NBC world series, uh, one summer during college, they had a pitch clock and as a matter of, not just the pitch clock, they had a clock between innings. Um, and so, uh, that was my first introduction to how you could really pick up the, the pace of the game. And, um, you know, I, I like the, the pitch clock. It makes the, the pitchers get ready. It makes the hitters get ready. Um, no more of this, you know, standing outside the box for 15, 20 seconds to, to prepare for the next pitch or, or pitchers walking around the mound or taking eight seconds to come set. Um, so I really like the pitch clock um, as, as one of the rules that they've implemented. I'm still learning myself. I didn't realize the batter gets a timeout. He gets one timeout each time up where he could step out. But how does this apply to the runners? Because I think what happened in a Mets game is that they got called because the runner was too slow in getting back to first base. Did, did you see that or hear that? And I haven't seen that one, but I'm not sure how that would apply because they're just they're always active and live. I don't know why there would be a a problem with the pitcher, uh, or maybe it's them putting on the 72 different guards that they need to be able to slide into second base. I don't know. Uh, maybe that's what it was. How do you like uh, the, the the fact that the, the pitcher can only go over to first base twice, and then if he throws the third time and he doesn't retire the base runner, then he gets called for a ball? Because the, the one of the incredible stats this week, I think on opening day there were 21 stolen bases in comparison to five last year. Right. Well, and, and the thing is, uh, I don't think you could attribute all 21 stolen bases to the fact that they picked over twice and couldn't pick again. Um, some of that could be the, that, the case, but I think that now that runners know that pitchers are less likely to pick, um, that they are going to be more aggressive on the bases, which I think is good. Um, but pitchers have to do other things. I mean, uh, it's not just about, you know, the number of pickoffs that they have to first base. It's about changing their times um, that they hold and go to the plate. You know, that's why it's so important that they get the ball, get back on the mound, get their sign, and get ready to go so that they can bury their times to the plate. 
Blake Stein joining us. We're catching you up on some of the new rules. Was there anything else that caught your attention this weekend in addition to the pitch clock? And also, I might add, like when a pitcher gets called for a ball, even though he hasn't thrown the pitch, do you think this plays with his mind? Because I saw a couple of pitchers out there who kind of like went south after they got called for being too slow. Uh, yeah, it can be. Any new rule change uh, can can affect you. Um, but in the Rangers game last night, uh, there was a play where Trey Turner got a huge jump, um, and Heim, the catcher, called timeout, and the umpire granted timeout. Now, granted, I don't know if it's because he it was kind of at the same time, um, but to only get one of those a game where that catcher can call timeout like that. Um, and so... Uh, it, the, the pitch clock was running down, and I think he saw that, and that's why it called time. But also, I think Trey Turner saw that the pitch clock was getting low and knew that he was going to have to go, so he got a huge jump. And so I think that there's a bunch of strategy that can be uh, put into um, you know, using the end of the time clock. Down the road, I mean, I know baseball's really, you know, and how about the shift, too? Did you think that resulted in more scoring or hits or anything like that now that the, uh, the shift has been outlawed? Well, I mean, there were a lot of runs scored in some of the games, but that's one of the rules I, I don't like. Um, you know, if, if you want to move your entire defense to the right side because the hitter's not disciplined enough to go the other way, then so be it. Um, I, I don't like the, the ban on the shift. I think that the managers should be able to, to put their defensive players wherever they want, um, and I don't think there should be any restriction on that. So I don't like the shift. Um, I do like the pitch clock. Um, and so, and as like you said, Lee, I'm still learning about a bunch of the rules that, that have been changed um, and implemented. Blake, as always, sir, we appreciate it. I'm assuming all went well over the weekend. You didn't have to, uh, you didn't have to uh, take control of any type of situation and use that uh, executive power that you have over there at McGill, did you? Did you? No, just no, just the one phone call I had to, to give to you about having to deal with your kids at prom, you know. So there was there was no other problems other than that. But that's you know they, they say that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. So I guess that's uh, why we had to deal with that. Well, they were under the impression that what happens at prom stays at prom. So apparently that's not the case. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it was a great night. The kids looked great. They had a wonderful time, and it's always uh, you know springtime of the year is always great for these seniors as they uh, celebrate their four years of high school. Hey, uh, thanks for the time, dude, and uh, have a great week. We'll be in touch. All right, thanks, guys, for having me. Yep, that's Blake Stein, ladies and gentlemen. Congratulations to Anthony. He's going to see the Jags on Friday, Lee. Tracy Thompson, his brother, of course, uh, Clay Thompson, and his dad, the former NBA star Michael Thompson. Three home runs for the Dodgers in their win Saturday night. Congratulations. All right, uh, you guys can jump in. Somebody had a question. Do y'all think the stolen base records will have an asterisk neck, uh, beside them going forward because no, of the new rules? I don't. They didn't even put an asterisk next to some of the home run records, so they're certainly not going to do it for the stolen bases. And even though there's going to be more stolen bases, I doubt you'll see anybody getting like what Maury Wills and Lou Brock and those guys, Ricky Henderson, up 100 like a, a year. I don't think that's going to happen. All right, we come back. What we'll do is uh, we will um, take your phone call. 694-1055 is the number. Um, you know, Kim Mulkey actually had some words for Caitlin Clark in the post-game handshake. We'll tell you what it was, what they were, and whether or not you agree or disagree based on what you've seen so far. 
Wrapping up hour number one next uh, with your phone call, 694-1055. It's the opening kickoff here on a Monday edition. This is Will Herring, a member of the Auburn family. When I'm in Mobile, I listen to WNST 105.5. Welcome back in, 6.45, the uh, opening kickoff here on a Monday morning. You guys can uh, jump in on all things uh, basketball-related at this point, or anything for that matter, from the weekend. But we spent a lot of time already talking about Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese and the uh, dust-up that was blown way. I mean, this stuff was trending. Classless was trending on social media minutes after the game. Uh, and it basically, uh, and I'm speaking in a gen- very generally here, but it basically came down to um, uh, uh, race, really. Uh, a lot of uh, people uh, came to uh, attack Angel Reese uh, right after the game for her antics. And then there were a number of people uh, that defended saying that if you're not going to get mad for Caitlin Clark doing it, you can't get mad at Angel. Yeah, Reese was there this kind of? I don't remember this kind of uh, outpouring when Caitlin Clark did it in Louisville win, and like I said, I saw her after the South Carolina win. I don't know if she did that that sign, but you know she does get pretty vocal uh, after wins and things like that. So. I didn't. I didn't see any, you know, much response to that. And I'm, I'm with you. You know, if uh, what goes around comes around, you, you do it to somebody or to some, to a team, and expect it back. Now, again, and this is where we, I might differ a little bit from Nick. I, I didn't like the way that Angel Reese ran up to her to do it. Uh, the at the free throw when they're in the lane for the free throw, and she kind of gave the you can't see me. I don't necessarily have a problem with that. I. I didn't. I did have a little bit of an issue with her running up to her, with ten seconds left, and the game was way over. Uh, running up to her and getting in her face. What um, I wanted you you led into this about what Mulkey said to Clark in the line. She said, "Oh, so she stopped her and she said she was a uh, a generational player." I'm curious if you guys think that Caitlin Clark, in the grand scheme of, uh women's basketball is she a generational player she's a top five women's basketball player of of all time time. okay (laughs) no i'm being for real look at has any woman ever brought this much attention to the sport well no you could you could go back to right you could go back to connecticut's roster over the years uh easily and find five or six or seven players who have been generational players. I mean, they're all over the place. They're all sprinkled in the WNBA. Some aren't even playing there. Some who we've started there, Nick, and then transferred. I'm trying to, uh, you yeah, know. Yeah, but they, they weren't getting 40-point triple-doubles, well, selling out the tournament that's because Connecticut, to the men's tournament. That's because Connecticut was not basically based on one person. All right, that's why I'm saying Caitlin Clark's the one person. The team's based around her. One of the best of all time. 
she's very good. There's no question about it. She's player of the year. You can't, you know, obviously, I'm not trying to say she isn't. I'm just saying that there have been a lot of good women's basketball players, but what has been happening in women's basketball, it's been more the team, like Connecticut's team or so forth, with, a, as you mentioned, uh, you know, Diana Taurasi, uh, Sue Bird, um, May, I, I forgot her first name, but there have been really, Cheryl really— Cheryl Swoops. Sabrina Ionescu. Going way back to Shamika Holtzclaw with Pat Summit and the Tennessee Catchings. Balls. Yeah, they've, there's been Shemeika some great— Catchings. That's the one I was going to mention, Catchings. They've had some great, great players over the years, Nick. It's just that some of them were before your time. But right now, the, the media you know, is pouncing on this because of the fact that she scores, like, all these points and everything. But look at what LSU did yesterday. They had, what, five players in double digits, and they're the ones that walk off with the championship trophy. So the team matters, but we're talking about player, individual, best player. When you say once well, I'm gonna, you know, I don't. This is gonna sound. Like, I don't want. She's very positive. Diana Taurasi was on this like stacked UConn team. Can you name another player on that Iowa team other than Caitlin Clark? If I could pronounce the name, they have a very good pivot player who's leaving. She got into foul trouble. I, I can't pronounce her name. So it began with a C. She was really good. Has there ever been a time where women's basketball was more talked about than men's basketball when it was going on at the same time? Have we, have you guys ever done a show where the main topic for the first 50 minutes was women's basketball? No. See, that's what I'm saying. Caitlin Clark, she's a generational talent in her skills on the court. But it's also generational in the way that it's all right. Wait a minute. gender barriers. Would in Mark sports. have brought it up even if this thing didn't happen with Angel Reese? Let's say Angel Reese just off the court, shook her hand, left. Would we even be talking about it? Probably We'd be not. talking about Caitlin Clark. We might be talking Caitlin Clark, but not the first fifty minutes. I mean, we didn't really talk about Caitlin. I mean, we mentioned it, but we didn't really get into the fact that she she was she had a forty point triple double. Well, we wasn't that really... on Friday night? I don't know. Was it? Yes. So we didn't have a show Saturday morning. But I've mentioned her on occasion, and nobody has even followed up on this show. I've mentioned about Caitlin Clark when she got MVP, AP MVP. Nobody's, you didn't say anything. Mark didn't say anything. He just blew it off. So would the, we be the, talking about it if this trash talking? I, I didn't even really know about the Angel Reese thing until Mark brought it up. I just know that Caitlin Clark is... I know that the women's basketball tickets were like five hundred bucks yeah. at the lowest you know, price. You, uh, Nick, go back. Her. Go back to was it last year or the year before? And, I, and again, I apologize. The player at Oregon, Sabrina Ionescu, yes, was a generational player. Yet, because none of this stuff happened, she wasn't we didn't talk about Clark, it though. She was good though, and she's now in the WNBA. And I've she never. Was, she was. She was a double double and a. Tri- I no, think yeah, she was she, triple she double. Triple doubles in the WNBA. Yeah, she's really, really but there's good. There's something about. I don't know what it is, but there's a reason that she has become the biggest story in sports as of now. That doesn't happen. We're we're in the middle of the men's tournament. And nobody where there's been the, the most upset. At least they didn't yesterday. And now all of a sudden we're like, you know what? But is Yo, Caitlin Clark though? I'll I'll repeat the question though. Would you be? Would you even be caring if Angel Reese didn't do what she did? And I'll repeat. And my I'll answer. say this: Mark wouldn't have even brought it up. And I'll repeat my answer. I didn't even know that it was a thing until Mark brought it up. I just have been seeing her get forty point triple doubles, thirty point triple doubles. Her talking smack. You can't see me. I can't hear you. 
It's her trash talk and the way that she carries herself that has pushed her into superstardom. Is she coming back? Oh, yeah. Yeah. She said that she wants to stay in Iowa because she likes playing in front of sold-out crowds um, because you're not getting that in the WNBA. (laughs) And she's going to make a lot more money here in college, especially now with how we've really just blown her up out the water. She's going to make $10 in NIL next year probably. Like the uh, twins down in uh, Miami. uh, Those girls are making serious bank, probably for a little different reason, but... No, Caitlin Clark, I would say is a generational player, uh, just based on that that range she's got. Yeah, I like, mean, did, the way she was running, they just ran. They had the high screen, and she would run around it. Then she'd run back around it, and and yeah. she'd stop on a dime. And she was she was knocking. She is lights out, and she just now she took some bad shots too. You know, one, but, one man, thing though, yesterday and. I was when I watched the South Carolina game, and I actually was deeper into that because that thing just blew the ratings off the wall as far as women's basketball. But I was really surprised at how South Carolina allowed her to drive to the basket one on one and score all those layups because she did not have a real good shooting game. I think she was five for 17 with three pointers, yet she was able to drive consistently and score layups. And I think yesterday, uh, LSU kind of stopped that where they kind of impeded her progress in trying to get to the lane as much as she did against South Carolina. Um, all right, you guys can jump in. 694-1055. Did you have a problem with Angel Reese? That's the uh, that's the question. Did you have the way that uh, the problem with the way Angel Reese reacted to Caitlin Clark at the end of the game? You know, I, I've been seeing people say that Caitlin Clark is the best college basketball player of all time. Men and women? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just telling you what I've seen. I'm not saying I agree or not. Yeah, I'm I know, just saying I just, I've seen that. From who? Various entities online. <laughs> okay, yeah. Okay. Well, look, can you name another college player who regularly, regularly carries their team with a 30-point triple-double, men or women? Austin Carr. Did did he have a forty point triple double in the tournament? He had a sixty. He's the all time record holder in a tournament with sixty, but not a forty point triple double. <laughs> I said not, he had sixty points. He's he had oh, Glenn Rice. The way he carried Michigan in eighty nine, including the win over South Alabama, had a fantastic. There's been lots of players. It's it's. There have been plenty. Here's the deal, too. Okay, she's great. There's no question about it. I enjoyed. What, what do you think I watched Friday for to see her and yesterday to see her? But they didn't. They didn't win the championship. Yeah, you can't win them all. It was her first year. She was a junior, isn't she? No, I thought she was a freshman. No, she's not a freshman. Or a sophomore, then. At least a sophomore. <laughs> at least a sophomore. But you I know, again, you go back to those great Connecticut teams and Gino Oriam and, and the players he's had. Now his best player didn't play this year because of an injury. Um, but he's had. I mean generational players that have carried the team to championships and you know iowa came up short yesterday and clark is a true junior turned 21 in january she won't be eligible until 2024 for the uh, draft yeah i thought i thought i read somewhere though that because she was asked on an interview i saw an interview with her a couple weeks ago she was asked about that about whether she was going to come back another year and she said you know she wasn't sure although she kind of indicated that she might there's some something about that rule though that i think 
and I may be dead wrong on this, that she could, but she, I think she'll be back at Iowa. Um, Unless other school comes along and she transfers. Yeah, I don't think that will happen. Apparently, someone's in love with that girl uh, in the app. Who? I would say that would probably be you. I, oh. I guess. I don't know. It doesn't say specifically. Me and the rest of the population. Yeah. Like, everyone is on the Caitlin Clark train right now, people. Caitlin mocked the crowd. Reese mocked Caitlin, according to the uh, according to the app. And as good a player as she is, Nick, and, and Mark brought this up, and it, it holds true what happened on Friday. She does turn the ball over a lot. That's what happens to star players. James Harden turns it over a lot. <laughs> Westbrook turns it over a lot. Curry has a lot of turnovers. Just throw Caitlin Clark in that group. <laughs> um, by the way, uh, tonight, I want to give a shout-out to two of our listeners, Jansen oh, yeah. and Henry. Last two stand-in for our NCAA tournament, March Madness. Henry has UConn. Jansen has San Diego State, which I, I believe we need to pull out, uh, point out the one and only Markheim pulled San Diego State for Jansen. So, yes, sir, you're, you're Is welcome. that good that you're the one and only? Yes. Okay. I probably pulled UConn then. <laughs> <laughs> you guys don't get anything out of this, though. Sorry. Well, the, the only thing is I was I was being openly mocked during the uh, selection process because I was pulling all these just horrific who would, teams. Who would, who would mock you? Uh, who? I don't know if we have enough time to, to get into it. But through all the anarchy, last laugh, I have it because I pulled one of the big teams that's right i actually pulled the two most two of the most popular teams i pulled alabama mm-hmm. in san diego state the cinderella and the favorite i got the might this is the opening kickoff on the country's first fm all sports radio station 105.5 fm wnsp and wnsp.com the latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. All right. Hour number two already is here. We've been busy this Monday morning with a number of stories, but really only one. You guys can jump in in the app at WNSP.com. We're in the studios at WNSP. All right. Of course, the story we've been talking most about is the LSU first championship in women's basketball beating Iowa. And, of course, the uh, after the game uh, with uh, Caitlin Clark, her 30 points uh, notwithstanding, uh, and the, the trash talking that went on with um, Reese of LSU. Kim Mulkey gets her fourth national title, three with Baylor. And to that, I've invited uh, Rick Petrie, a good friend, a longtime women's basketball coach, first at South Alabama, now at Jacksonville State. Hey, Rick, how are you this morning? I'm, I'm good, Lee. How are you? Pretty good. Well, I know Mark started off the show on women's basketball, which was a shocker, but the question is, from a coaching standpoint, are you going to remember what happened after the game, the confrontation, or the game itself? It's a good question. I, I think you're going to remember them perhaps equally. Um, uh, yeah, the, the game itself, uh, and one of the things, to be honest with you, Lee, you'll remember the game is the officiating in the game. <laughs> um, you know, it, it was uh, Reese picked up her second foul in the first half on, on what was really a bad call. Uh, obviously, a lot has been made over the technical foul that Caitlin Clark received. Um, you know, so so 
And there are a lot of people, if you're on social media in the women's basketball world, who are very upset about how the game was officiated. Um, uh, you, you'll, and, and obviously, I mean, the, the game was uh, uh, a tremendous amount of scoring in a women's championship game. Melissa, you set a record yesterday with 102 points. Um, but, but certainly, a lot has been made and will be made about what happened at the end. All right, let's get and, for um, Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry, Rick. I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. No, it's got a lot's going to be made about what happened at the end, and a lot's going to be discussed. It's going to be all over, to, you know, the talk shows today, and, and it's just, uh, it, you know, it's just uh, w- w- when you have those types of things and the kind of reactions you have uh, that, that I've seen on social media last night, and I'm sure there'll be more this morning, so. Okay, from a coaching standpoint, let's get to the taunting first. Does a lot of that go on in games that you have coached? Do you see a lot of that after a game? Honestly, not a lot. No, um, you know, and and and, and, and let me say this, Lee. Uh, you, you've had a lot of people talk about uh, some of the social media. I've seen people talk about um, you, you know you, you criticize females. You wouldn't criticize males to do this. But let me say this. I mean, you know. Uh, one person, you show an example, Baker Mayfield. You know, a lot of people thought Baker Mayfield was a turd because of the way he, he conducts <laughs> himself. So to, to me, it doesn't matter whether you're male or female. It, it matters, you know, how you conduct yourself after you win and, and the class that you show. And, uh, and and there's been a lot of what aboutism, meaning what about when Caitlin Clark did the John Cena, you know, you can't see me look. Uh, but, but one of the things that happened in that particular case was that that was a specific instance where Caitlin Clark and Haley Van Lift, who played point guard for Louisville's uh, other great player, got into a, a verbal confrontation. Van Lift, uh, who's a known trash talker, uh, was talking trash, but but Iowa was up 15, and Clark had just hit a three, and so she was, you know she gave her a little bit of stuff just to basically say shut up, uh, we're beating you by 15, you know. Um, what happened last night was it t- taken to a different level. It wasn't just the you know, at the free throw line, you know, but it, it proceeded. I mean, it, you know, Angel Reese literally follows her around the floor after the game. And, and pointing to a finger and, and, and continuing to do the, the, the sign. So I think it's one thing to just do it one time and keep it moving. Uh, I think it's another team to just keep pursuing somebody just to make sure they see it. And, and, and honestly, I, I, no team that I've coached that I can recall has ever been, uh, been a perpetrator of that or a victim of, of that kind of uh, circumstance. So Rick Petrie, our guest here on WNSP, Hypothetically, rhetorically, asking for a friend, if one of your players did that in in the during the course of a game, in the way in which you described it, and that was that was my issue, Rick. Uh, I don't have a problem with her dishing it because Caitlin Clark kind of opens herself up to that with with the way she carried herself all season. Uh, but I I didn't like the way that she kind of went around looking to fit, get in her face and taunt her for those final ten seconds. If if you're a coach in that situation, what do you do? What's your reaction if it's one of your players? I would, I would have a very stern conversation. Let me say this to you: the guys that played for me at BC Rain, the guys that played for me at St. Paul's, it doesn't matter if you're male or female. I'd have had a stern conversation with her, whether you're a male player or a female player. It's just not okay. Not okay with me. 
you know. And so, uh, uh, again, it, it, one thing doesn't equal the other. A lot of people are going to continue to 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 draw comparisons. Well, look what Clay, Caitlin Clark did. It's a it, it was a it was a three second, uh, you know, and there was context where those two people were sparring with each other throughout the game. Um, this is different. And and so so again so so my players whether my guys at BC Rain, my guys at St. Paul's, the females that coach at South Alabama, the females that coach at Jacksonville State, there'd be a stern conversation to have. Rick, let me ask you this: uh, Let's get to the officiating because you've never been considered one that's quiet on the sidelines. So if no. you were if you were a coach on this game and you've you've been very demonstrative, <laughs> to put it mildly. Was the officiating that bad? And and I brought up, aren't you supposed to have the best officials in the best game of the year, the championship game? How could it how could it get to the point where people are just going nuts over some of the calls? Well, I mean, it, it's un, it's truly unfortunate. Yes, you should have the best officials in the best game. Um, you know, personally, I only recognize one of the officials um, uh, that that called the game. Um, uh, so I, I can't I can't speak for who or why the the, the, the people who were chosen to officiate chosen cho- uh, were chosen. Um, uh, you know, and and look, you're going to have questionable calls even when you have really good officials. Um, but the timeliness and the circumstances and the context is important. And and you know, and and listen, LSU had uh, LSU had th- three or five stars with two fouls. But, by the time one minute was played in the second quarter. And that's what, you know, what's so unfortunately is that the performance by uh, Carson, the guard yeah. from LSU, is completely lost in all this. This is a kid, Lee, who people are honest, since, since the SEC tournament, this kid has played seven games and has scored 11 points in seven games. She scored 21 points in the second quarter order in the national championship game yesterday and to me that was the difference in the game when you have a kid comes off the bench who hadn't been scoring at all and charles barkley and and and, and uh shaquille o'neal during nba playoffs will talk about that the, the stars camp which is about out but you need the others to step up well this kid stepped up in a huge way to drop 21 points in the second quarter uh and and, and honestly to me that was the the, the complete difference in the game yeah, and it, it's it's clear that Iowa scouted LSU, right? Because they all do at that level, and that. But and it was clear they were just gonna let them shoot it, and it's just it was one of those nights for LSU where you just kind of throw the scouting notes up in the air, and you're like, I, there's, there, I mean, what do you do? I mean, you you just can't plan for that. LSU certainly knew that they were gonna get their opportunities based on the way that Iowa had played defense against South Carolina, but I don't think anybody would have guessed that LSU. I think LSU was. 33% average from three-point line, and they just lit it up, man, especially in that first half. I think you're dead on. Well, they absolutely did. And, and the thing is, Iowa, you know, listen, it, 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 Iowa doesn't have the, the raw athletes that LSU has. They're just faster, uh, you know, and, 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 and taller, actually, around the basket. And, and so Iowa had to pick the poison. You know, what are we going to give yeah. up? And what they decided to do was try to close down the lane, just like they did against South Carolina, not as extreme as they did against South Carolina. But, but nonetheless, LSU got open shots, and they made a high percentage of them. And that's when – so now you're Iowa. you got to scrap that strategy. you got to go 
to something else in the second half when that happened. Then LSU started killing them at the glass. We started killing them. Uh, the, the other kid that kid transferred from South Carolina, Missouri, whose name escapes me, she started. She had 20. That kid has been averaging nine points a game all year. She had 20. And they just started knifing them on the basket. And then there, there was literally nothing Iowa could do to stop LSU at that point. Besides Carson, also lost in the shuffle, how does a team score 100 points in a national championship game? My gosh, I don't even know if any of the men's teams have scored 100 points in any of the tournaments so far this season. Well, you know, Lee, if you look, LSU, LSU scores a lot of points during the regular season. Uh, Iowa scores a ton of points. They play at an incredibly high, fast pace. And so, so, so because of the pace, uh, you get more possessions, and the more possessions lead to more opportunities. And as, as we discussed, LSU made the most of those extra opportunities they got, whether it be making perimeter shots or just hit, being able to get off. Angel Reese averages at least six and a half offensive rebounds a game. That's insane. And she, she started killing them in the offensive glass late. And and uh, and so, like I said, at, 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 uh, Iowa literally couldn't stop them. And listen, when you have a kid like Caitlin Clark, and you have the kind of team the way that Iowa's uh, designed, they can score at the rim. Iowa, I'm talking about. They and then when you double team Clark, she's an elite passer. I mean, this kid averages almost nine assists a game in college basketball, uh, and she scores 28 a game, talking about Caitlin Clark. So she has players who can shoot the three, plus the kid who can score at the bat at the rim, and she can score at the rim. So she's able to either kill you by herself or she's able to kill you with the pass. People talk about Caitlin Clark. They say, you know, well, she's Steph Curry. Now, imagine if Steph Curry was 6'7", because Caitlin Clark is a six-foot female. Comparatively speaking, male to female, a six-foot female adds six to seven inches, you get the comparable male. So imagine if Steph Curry was six seven. That's what you're dealing with when you're dealing with having a, to contend with Caitlin Clark. Any chance you'll book Iowa next season? Uh, no, I mean, I, I, I think here's the thing about women's basketball league. In, in the men's game, Caitlin Clark would be right to the NBA. Angel Reese would be right to the NBA. They both may be back in women's basketball next year. That's the difference in women's basketball. Uh, they still they hang around. And, and so uh, you, you could very possibly see Iowa and LSU playing again. And to be honest with you, somebody, if Angel Reese comes back, they should schedule those people in a, in a game in a, in a non-conference because that would draw a lot of eyeballs on TV next year. For sure. Have you ever coached against Kim Mulkey in your career? I have not, not one time. Okay, I think it's remarkable what she did in less than two years to produce a championship. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. And, and Lee, she could not have done it without the transfer portal. Exactly. I've been talking about that. Is the transfer portal in women's basketball every bit as, let's say, popular as men's basketball? Yes, uh, I would say by a hair below, but yes, it's extremely popular and it's changed the entire dynamic of recruiting and team building. It's just, it's, it's been a radical change in how you go about managing a team. Rick, how was your season this year at Jacksonville State? We were 16 and 14, went 9 and 9 in our league. We were in the, the East Sun. But next year, Lee, we moved to Conference USA. So Jacksonville State, maybe, maybe people, maybe more people don't know this, Jacksonville State will be in Conference USA next year. So oh, wow. uh, we'll be playing Middle Tennessee and Western Kentucky and La Tech and UTEP. And, uh, it's going to look different next year for us. Rick, thank you so much for coming aboard, man, getting up early with us. I uh, hope you're doing well, and we look forward to doing it again soon. You're welcome, guys. Thank you. It's Rick Petrie, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, 
should mention uh, tonight's game. San Diego State got there in very dramatic fashion over the weekend. Wasn't necessarily their defense that got all the pub. It was the last second shot. Anarchy reigned. Uh, and chances are we'd have been talking a lot more about that had, you know, Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese not gotten into it. But anyway, give us your take for tonight's game. And to Nick's point, dude, in the grand scheme of things, when it comes to the women's tournament and the men's tournament, dude, nobody really cares about the men. I mean, I again, a gross overgeneralization there, but ticket prices, you could get, you could get tickets for the final four for the men for like 70 bucks 50 bucks a pop a seat scoreboard traffic and weather next stay with us it's the opening kickoff hi this is saran stacy you're listening to wnsb 105.5 Just cruising along here on the opening kickoff. Thanks for hanging with us. It's Masters Week. Uh, Johnny Ricchetti will get us started. First of all, to update on the Texas Open. Good morning, Johnny, with your Miller Lite Golf Report. How you doing? Doing wonderful, uh, Lee and uh, Mark. Yeah, it, uh, it is the Masters Week. Uh, I will be on property there tomorrow, next couple days. So looking forward to uh it's been a few years since I've been at Augusta National, but I'm looking forward to being back out there again and uh, and watching all the players and, and so forth. But, uh, you know, we'll start with the, the Texas Valero Open where Canadian Corey Connors, uh, back in the winner's circle, he won, that's where he won his first PGA Tour event. As a matter of fact, he Monday qualified to win that event. So had some good drama there yesterday. Kind of had to hang on and... Uh, in a field that uh, a lot of players obviously weren't there and they were taking a week off to prepare for Augusta National. But Corey Connors is your winner and he will be at the Masters this week also. And also uh, Robbie Shelton with a great round yesterday. I think I believe he ended up tied for 14th in the tournament, which was a great tournament by uh, the former St. Paul standout and Alabama standout. So congratulations to Robbie Shelton as he continues his fine play on the PGA Tour. All, all eyes obviously shift to uh, Augusta National, the first Major of 2023, uh, which will have apparently 18 live players in the field. And by the way, Brooks Kepka winning yesterday uh, in live golf in on down in Orlando yesterday, and obviously, uh, well, he'll be in the field this week too. So, looking forward to that. Hey, Johnny, and, Johnny, uh, I want to interrupt. Woods was on the. I want to interrupt well, for a second. Yeah, I want to ask you about this before we run out of time. So, do you think? This PGA Live is going to be the uh, overriding, let's say, issue, at least for the few days? Or do you think that's just going to be, you know, go away and nobody's going to talk about it? Or do you think it's going to come down to that, especially if you get a live golfer on the final day against a member of the PGA? Uh, obviously, it's going to, I still think it, it yes, I think they'll talk about it. I mean, it's obviously going to be mentioned and so forth. But uh, I think the big thing is to see how the players are treated amongst 
uh, amongst the, the other PGA Tour members. Uh, uh, you know, I've seen a thing that Bubba Watson and Brooks Kepko were saying that uh, they don't think there'll be any issues. And then obviously tomorrow evening they got the, you know, the champions dinner where a bunch of them will be in the room together, gathered eating dinner, which is obviously hosted by the defending champion Scotty Scheffler. So I don't, uh, I don't perceive it being any issues. Uh, I think at the end of the day, they're all professionals. They'll all go about their business. And I don't know if they'll be chatty-chatty amongst themselves, but uh, we'll wait to see. And like I said, they'll be obviously the media will be all over. Some weird players talking to some tour, another player and so forth. And uh, uh, But it'll be pretty interesting to see if a live player is in, in contention. I mean, obviously there's a lot of big star, big names in that in, on live tour, that on live golf that possibly could contend for Augusta National this week at the Masters. So looking forward to it. Looks like the weather should cooperate the rest of the week. Should be a great, great Masters this uh, 2023. What's the first thing you're getting from the concession stand, Chetty? Pimento cheese sandwich. Do they have anything else? Is that the only thing they sell? Oh, yeah, they got a lot. Oh no, they got a lot of stuff. It's it, it's a, it's like a well-oiled machine there. It's incredible. I mean, it's like you know, you you walk in, you go in the lineup, and you go, "Oh my, look at all these people!" And then literally within a minute, you're through the concession so, stand. It's incredible how fast and uh, a well-oiled machine uh, they are at Augusta National. All right. So as you get close to the entrance, if John Daly is there with his his vehicle and serving beers. Yeah, would you stop by and uh, have a drink with him? <laughs> yeah, 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 I would. Uh, you know, I, I've been there about four times. I've been fortunate enough to play the course twice. So, uh, uh, you know, it's obviously a bucket list and so forth. So uh, I'm looking forward to uh, going there, to, uh, you know, and watching and so forth because I haven't been there in about four years. So i uh, looking forward to it, but it's it's it's, it's a great uh, experience for anybody that hasn't been there. For people who have been there, it's a bucket list. It really is a, an incredible place. You want to give us your favorite, and then we'll let you go? Who's going to win it? Quick name. Uh, I think I think I, I, I really think that Rory McIlroy's due for a green jacket, and I think he could do it this year. Hey, have a great trip, man. Uh, we appreciate everything you do, John, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, guys, you guys take be good and be safe. I'll talk to you guys Friday. That's John Ricciotti in the Light Golf Report, basically telling us that the Masters concession stand is a Chick-fil-A. I mean, that's basically what it is. That sells pimento and cheese. Very efficient. We've heard it's incredible food, dirt cheap. Never heard how efficient it is. In all the years that we've talked to people about the concessions and the Augusta experience, efficiency is the key. Uh, when we come back, Rush Probst expected to join us here on WNSP. He's got himself a new gig. We'll talk about that when we come back. Uh, Ronnie Arrow will preview tonight's uh, title game. Mike Rodak at 8.30 on Alabama. Stay with us. We got a busy, busy Monday edition of the opening kickoff. We're still going right here on the sports station, WNSP.
inside their own five. This is an exhausting drive for the offensive line. Pressure coming again into the end zone. Over the shoulder catch. And a St. Louis touchdown to Gary Jennings. Hey, it's 7.32. Welcome back in, Mark and Lee. It's the opening kickoff. And Nick, I should mention. Uh, we're in the studios of WNSP. We appreciate you hanging with us throughout the course of our morning today. All right. Uh, that was the uh, one of the touchdown passes by A.J. McCarron uh, as he led St. Louis to that victory over Houston. Houston also on their team, that's uh, where Silvers is quarterback, but he did not. I don't think he started yesterday. I didn't see his name there. A guy named McDonald had replaced him. They were building this up as one local quarterback against another, but I'm not sure that really took place yesterday. All right, let's move on to our main topic right now, Rush Propes, our good friend. Now back as a head coach, uh, we thought he was going to be at Coosa Christian as a co-coach. Rush, you're tough to keep up with. Good morning. How are you today? Good morning, Lee. Good morning, Mark. Uh, yeah, I'm just on the move, I guess. You are. You're like you're like you're like a gypsy. You bounce around from job to job now. How did the Pell City job come about? Uh, just um, you know, when Steve left, um, they um, and me and Bill, you know, Bill Clark lives there, and he they hired him as a consultant. And uh, so that's how it sort of came about. And Bill and I are like brothers. And so we, uh, he called, asked me if I wanted to come interview, and I did. And that's how, that's how it all worked out. Well, you answered my next question because I was told to ask you about Bill Clark and his influence on this and that there may have been a connection to this job. So I know the program only had one win last year. In fact, we're going to be at Theodore this week where Steve Mask, who coached at Pell City, is now coaching at Theodore. Uh, what kind of a program are you taking over at Pell City? And you've, you've gone into programs before which have been kind of down, too, and turned them into big winners. Well, you can ask Steve same thing. It's just been really bad, really, really bad. Uh, you know, they were one and nine, like you mentioned, and they were two and eight the year before that. So they've not been to a playoff game. Keith Etheridge is down at Auburn. He was there, and I think uh, he is 15, 16, or 16, 17. He had he, he took them to the last playoff, got beat in the first round. David Shores was there in 11 and 12. David worked for me at Hoover. He, he got them in the second round in 12. And prior to that, they had a couple first-round exits in 03, 05, maybe 04, 05. It's really been since 1988, 87 and 88, that they've been to the semis and the quarters. Uh, that's back when they were Mike Tice, who keep him in your prayers. He's in intensive care uh, today as we speak. Uh, his daughter was Tanya Tice. It was a great player that uh, I think she played in Auburn and Alabama, actually, but uh, still holds some SEC records. But that's the last success they've had, major success, was in the, in the late 80s. Rush Probst, our guest here on WNSP. Uh, congratulations, uh, Rush. It's great to have you on again. I, it feels like every time you make a move, uh, you're kind of in the news, so it, it kind of surprised me when I read that it's been since like 2007 since you actually coached in the state of Alabama. That's true. That's true. Uh, Hoover, 
uh, leaving in 07 was my last job in Alabama, and I've been in Georgia. You yeah. Know, and uh, it was good to get back to Alabama. Uh, I had some great years in Georgia. Really enjoyed it over there. Had a lot of success. 119 games in, uh, in an 11 year span there. So, uh, with two state titles. But I think that uh, coming back home was good. When I came back to Piedmont to watch my son play for a couple of years, being out of football, he energized me a lot. Been around Steve Smith and the Piedmont program, who's had great success. I think five state titles since '09. Um, so this got me my juices flowing again. The Cusa gave me an opportunity. I'm very grateful to them. Um, Amanda and Jack Justice and Mark O'Brien, they're just great people. And uh, so, I, you know, but when this opportunity came about and they reached out to me, Bill and and a group of men there and Dr. Martin, our superintendent, I just, I just couldn't turn this down. Plus, to be honest with you, this probably is going to be my last chapter in my coaching career. My wife's from Pell City her family, and so for her, it's going home. And for me, it's only 30 minutes from where I grew up in Ohatchee, Alabama, on the Coosa River. So it's, it's home for us, and uh, it's, it's a program that's really bad right now. So we're, we're going to try to turn things around and make it respectable and, and, and see what happens over the next several years. Hey. Uh, just word of advice: Never say never. As far as moving on, right? <laughs> I mean, what if what if you go there and go like nine and one or ten and zero, oh, and all of a sudden these offers start pouring in? It's gonna be tougher for me, Lee. Though I mean, it's just it's it's uh, we've got a river lot that we're gonna build a house on. Uh, that's twenty two miles from Pell City Field House, and we've been wanting to build for a while there. Uh, it actually has an actual ad- address, but right outside of Pell City, and, you know, it, it would have to be something really, really good, because, I, I, you know, for me, this is sort of, like I said, coming home and filling some roots and finishing out a career and in Alabama, the state I dearly love, and, and I'm just excited to, to be back in it at this level. Uh, let me ask you this. How is your health these days? Because I know that was an issue f- a while back. And, you know, now to run a program and you were going to be like a co- co-coach at CUSA. But now that, you know, you've got the program and, you know, the stress that goes with that and inheriting a team with one win, and uh, physically you're okay? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, people say a lot about my health. But, you know, that's been, Lee, that's been uh, 12 years ago on May the 18th since I've finished my radiation treatment. That's been nearly 12 years ago. You know, my health's really good, and, you know, I feel great. Um, you know, I did have COVID. I was, in the hosp- I was hosp- hospitalized with that, but so a lot of people are. And so, but my health's good. I mean, I think I'm really healthy for my age, and I'm active. I hunt, I fish. Uh, so I, I don't feel like it's going to be a deterrent at all. I mean, I'm in, I feel real good, so... Uh, look forward to the next five, six, seven years of my life in, in the coaching world. Rush, uh, did Pell come to you, or did you go to them? And, and what's what's the interview process like for you at this point in your in your career? Obviously, there's been some headlines in the past that we've discussed uh, in depth here on this show with you, but uh, I'm assuming it's not your typical football interview when when the one and only Rush Probst enters the building. No, they came after they they, they approached me. And um, they did, and, and, and I went down and talked with uh, Bill and that group of men 
that he had put together, put together, and that are very important people in the, in that town. And uh, from there, it went. You know, superintendent, we sat and met on two different occasions, really three different occasions. I met with Dr. Martin. And here's the connection, guys. Um, when I was having the success we had at Coquitlam County, Dr. Martin, the superintendent at Pale City, was in Central Georgia, or South Georgia, also at Harris County. So he was he was close to the situation at Colquitt and uh, saw the success I had and and was very comfortable in talking to me and he's just a great man. I really enjoy Dr. Martin. I think he's a very good superintendent. I look forward to working for him and the Board of Education. Well, let me ask you something. Maybe you can shed some light on this. Does Bill Clark want to get back into coaching? That's not for me to say. You know, he's he's. I think he's he's got a great house where he's living. He lives right on the lake there at Hill City. Um, I, you know, it would have to be really something good, you know, for Bill. To, you never again. You never say never. But uh, to me, Bill's happy. You know what he's doing right now. He's he's chairman of several boards still in Birmingham on on different charity organizations, and then of course. He's going to be really actively involved with this Pale City thing with me on the outside. He'll be on the outside leading a foundation um, and helping me with a lot of different things on the outside while I coach football on the inside. So um, that that's the deal. I mean, he's you never say never. Somebody offers you 4 or $5 million for five, six, seven years, you've got to listen. Hey, let me ask you this. I don't know the, the, the structure of Pell City, their schedule and all that, but down the road, if it ever came to pass, would you like to schedule Hoover? You know, I, when I was at Hoover, we played Pell City in the playoffs first round. You know, it, it, we're a long way, Lee, a long way away from, from playing at Pell City. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, we're a long way away from playing at Hoover High School right now. I mean, we got a I mean, it's years away before we could schedule somebody of that caliber uh, or a Thompson or a Trustful and watch out for Vestavia. They're, they're just about all the way back now. Uh, so, no, we're not, we're not in that league. Uh, so I'm, I'm not in that, that thought process, not in my mind right now. Hey, Rush, uh, obviously, anytime your, num- your, your name comes up, uh, it, it always seems to stir a debate one way or the other. What's the one thing you'd want people to know about you at this point in your career as you, as you embark on this new adventure? Well, I said it a few minutes ago. The two years I had away from football, I think, gave me a lot of, you know, a different perspective on life. Um, I, you know, I enjoyed being a husband. I enjoyed being a father. Uh, to my kids at Piedmont, um, you know, I think when you when you become a parent full time and you sit back and watch a program work from the outside, and I had two years, guys, to study a lot of different things. So I, I think Rush folks will approach things a lot differently now going forward. Uh, now I'll, I'll still be competitive, no doubt. I want to win, no doubt. But um, but I think. I think I'll do it a little bit different ways and, or, and, and be and be happy with what I'm doing, you know, and not feel like I'm always a rat in a cage running. So uh, I, I just feel like just two years away made me a different person and made me a, hopefully a better person. So um, has there been mistakes made? Yes. We all make mistakes. But this is like my board of education and I shared. I met with each one of those people and 
Dr. Martin, they're confident in me, and, 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 and I appreciate that. And I feel like I'm working for people that want me to be there, which is very important to me. Uh, any uh, any Netflix specials or MTV uh, programming coming up in our near future at Pell? Just like I said about the Hoover deal, that's not in my thought process right now. I mean, did I enjoy those things when I did them? Yeah, I thought they were good, especially for Hoover. Uh, they still prosper over that uh, financially, but I think, uh, but not right now. There's, that's not in my thought process at all. I mean, right now, my job, I'm, I'm worried more about getting a seventh and eighth grade dressing room and you know, maybe getting a new field house and new facilities down the road at Pell City and trying to build, instill some pride and and wanting to win attitude in the community, in the school that hadn't had that football in quite some time. You got to understand, guys, there's been some good football coaches there. Steve Mask, Hall of Fame coach. Uh, Keith Etheridge has won a state championship. Uh, played in a couple more. You know, Chick fil A. <laughs> I could eat there seven times a day. Where the people laugh and children play. Oh, I'm in love with Chick fil A. All right, 750, another week, another Chick fil A question for you. Compliments of Lee Shervanian and WNSP. Well, since we've been on the top of Caitlin Clark, she did set a tournament record women's basketball for the most points scored in a tournament now at 191 uh, for a Chick fil A gift card. Call Nick and tell him who held the record at 177 and she surpassed that with her 30-point performance yesterday who was the former record holder for most points in a women's basketball tournament all right you guys can react to rush you can react to uh well all the things we've been talking about today specifically with the girls uh, angel reese and caitlin clark and whether or not uh Classless is the word being thrown out, or that was the word that was trending. Classless or not, you can jump in. I don't have a problem with Angel Reese um, doing the don't look at me or you can't see me or any of that or pointing to the ring finger. The only issue I had, and the reason I, I say that is because I think Caitlin Clark brought it on herself with all of her previous antics, right? The only problem I do have with it is that she ran, look, she went looking for her to do it specifically in her face. Uh, it's one thing to kind of do it as you're running, walking by, or to the crowd. I, I think, I think that is um, dangerous. I think in the wrong circumstance, I think that's kind of how brawls get started. Not that I've ever seen a a brawl in a women's game, but it's also done more for women's college basketball. And that game's done more for women's college basketball than I've seen in, in years, years. So I'm for it. I'm all. I'm all. I'm, I'm for the story. Don't get me wrong. Well, of course, because you wouldn't have started this show this morning because that you really get into that social media stuff. But personally, the game was. You know, you brought on this about the best game, but actually, I I still think that first game on Saturday. Did you watch FAU in San Diego State? I did not. I was in prom mode. Oh, you were? Yeah. I didn't go. You went to the prom? Well, parents go to the prom, but, but they don't stay. Okay, because that, prom cause that game to. was 
incredible. I mean, it, much better than the nightcap. I mean, as far as a competitive game going down to the wire, and any time you get a game that comes down to the last shot, I mean, that's what, you know, one shining moment's all about. And, you know, Butler with the game-winning shot, which we'll talk to, you know, Ron Arrow about. I mean, I enjoyed the uh, Iowa-South Carolina game a lot a lot more because there you had this so-called superstar player of the year versus a team that was undefeated like in 42 straight games yesterday LSU to their credit and I'm not taking one thing away their bench outscored Iowa and that was the key 30 to 8 getting away from all the shenanigans at the end of the game they led most of the way Mark I mean Iowa never really got back in the game and even when it got let's say single digits that's when the technical occurred and the fourth quarter, it wasn't very dramatic. It wasn't very contested. Uh, I was following the score, looking and hoping if somebody said, hey, they're within three or four points. It never got to be that close of a game. Yeah, no, the, the basketball itself was high-quality basketball on both sides. And LSU shot, like, lights out in a way that they hadn't shot all season, like way above their averages. And they just could not miss in the first half. And then uh, I thought... I thought both executed really, really well. Defensively? No, offensively. To give up, okay, but to give up 102 points and their best players are sitting the, you know, the second quarter out. And as, as Rick Petrie pointed out, a bench player comes off and scores 21 points against you. Uh, I, I know officiating was a big issue. At one point in the game, both, even the commentators, like both teams have got to be just frustrated. Yeah, incredibly Did frustrated. Did anyone get technicals? The coaches, I mean, I don't know. No, although LSU probably should have gotten one. Uh, Just because the, of what Kim wears? No, <laughs> but she got really animated and, and actually made contact with the ref. Oh, she did? Yeah. That's that, yeah. That's a no-no. You can't do that. Um, so everybody obviously was up in arms when Caitlin Clark got one because I gave her her fourth, but she got one as a result of a delay of game warning. She it was They had already been warned. Uh, she threw the ball, even though it was a dead ball, she didn't throw it to the official. And because she didn't throw it to the official, it was deemed a delay of game. They already got the warning, technical foul. It was ill-timed, and I don't I don't know. You, inadvertently not knowing my question, you gave the answer. Did anybody get the uh, question right? You actually named the person. Oh, did we get a Chick-fil-A winner? Yeah, Scott got it right. With no assistance from Mark, by no, the way. Mark, he got it beforehand. Okay, because Mark, well, actually, Mark, uh, about, I guess, 30, 40 minutes away, kind of gave away the answer. But he, he, he gave the answer, in a sense, with a whole bunch of other players. So you wouldn't have known when you mentioned Cheryl Swoops. Ah. Swoops, there it is. Yep, swoops, swoops, swoops. Congrats, you got a little Chick-fil-A. Compliments to WNSP. So my question to you is, if Angel... Angel Reese did not go out of way to do this. Would you even have even talked about this? The game itself. The game you might have, but I mean to really harp on it no, as much as no, you did. I no, didn't think and that's, so. Whether we so here's the thing. Whether you uh are a fan of what Angel Reese did or you're turned off by it, it has done wonders for the game, the women's game. Because and, and, and Caitlin Clark to that degree. Not only is Caitlin Clark scoring at a high clip going into this game, but her attitude, her personality is what drives people to the game, whether you like it or not. Uh, and I think what people have a problem with is there are some that are reacting one way to Kate and Clark doing this and other people reacting differently uh, and differently to the way Angel Reese has gone about it. So um, I think, I mean, again, we talked about it earlier in the, in the show, like ticket prices for the women's game, even before this stuff stuff 
were far more expensive than the men's game. See, I I went my mindset, and when I booked Rick Peachy, my mindset was we'd be talking about Caitlin Clark and Iowa winning. I mean, you beat South Carolina. You got a day to get over it. LSU's had a good season, but nothing like South Carolina. I mean, they had like 42 straight wins. So I'm thinking we're going to be talking about this unbelievable performance, the triple-double, the 41 points, which is, by the way, the most points ever in a tournament semifinal game, men or women. Well, and it didn't turn out, it didn't turn out to be an Iowa win. She had a decent game. I mean, 30 points, but she did have a lot of turnovers. And, of course, the technical didn't help matters. But the, the, the story of the game is we point out that bench for LSU to save them in the second quarter, and, the, and they went they almost led wire to wire. Uh, you guys can jump in. 694-1055 is the number. Um, the uh, couple things that the official had a problem with was the way that Reese and the big girl from Iowa. Yes. Had, yeah. I wish I could say her name to you, but it, it's, but she threw an elbow that I was like, I might, I, she would have broken my jaw in too. Uh, and so there was they, but they traded like elbows down low. And then, uh, LSU actually contested one of the calls. Uh, and you can't review and contest. I see. I didn't know this. Just, so in women's basketball, you can, you can contest a call, almost go to the replay but they can't reverse it as a common foul. It's got to be intentional or um, a, a, a foul worthy of ejection, which, of course, it wasn't. How do you feel about, in women's play, getting the ball at midcourt like the NBA? The same way I feel about it in the NBA. I thought so, yeah. Yeah, I think it's stupid. And I also find it dumb that... Why, why do the men and women's games got to be so different? Why do quarters in one game, halves I, in another? It makes no sense Why to can me. you advance in girls but not in guys? I, I just I, I think it's silly. I think it's silly. I Regardless think, of how you feel about the one way or the other, whether you think they should advance it or not. Well, that's why I brought up last week, do you ever think the men's game will go to four quarters? And would that be better? Keep everything in line. All basketball games, NBA, I, I guess European. I don't I, I'm, I don't know what the European, but I think that's four quarters, but I'm not positive. And obviously the women's high school, four quarters. I don't I don't know if halves versus quarters bothers me one way or the other. I think it used to. I'm good with whatever. All right, hour number three, Ronnie Arrow will tell us who's going to win the national championship when he comes back or when we come back We've got two people with vested interest in uh set game jansen with san diego state henry with yukon of our wnsp march madness matchup challenge got a lot riding on tonight's game continue with your comments in the app back after this is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station, 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. All right, 802, hour number three. Thanks for hanging with us on this Monday edition. Coming up at 830, we'll talk some Alabama. Mike Rodak will join us, my colleague over at AL.com. But 
Got a couple headlines to throw at you before we continue. Well, the number one headline, of course, we've been talking about the women's championship won by LSU. They defeated Iowa uh, 102 to 85. The 102 sets a new tournament record. Uh, I think Texas had the previous one marked, maybe 97 points, and the total number of points sets a record. Obviously, uh, Caitlin Clark of Iowa sets a tournament record uh, with her 40 points in two games, so she finishes up with 191 points. That's a record also. Tonight, uh, we've got the Connecticut and San Diego State. Uh, certainly Connecticut, I had them in my final four so I'm not surprised at that. Uh, I don't think anybody had San Diego State uh, getting this far at all. So that game comes on at 7 o'clock uh, this evening. I think tip-off is somewhere around 7.30, give or take, uh, uh, you know, for this game tonight from Houston. And some of the other um, uh, sports headlines. Alabama gets a uh, verbal for 2025 from an offensive lineman, Mason Short. Uh, 65302. He is from uh, Evans High School in Georgia. So that's two now for 2025. The other one you know very well, Ryan Williams. Speaking of Sarah Lynn, uh, Morgan Davis, their outstanding track star, is the repeat girls MVP of the Mobile Challenge Champs. And Mark, something maybe we can push off later on. You and I have talked about pickleball. ESPN yesterday, did you know even know about this? They had a pickleball championship. Former tennis greats Agassi and Roddick, uh, Riddick, I'm sorry, Roddick, Andy Roddick beat McEnroe and Cheng in a pickleball tournament doubles. I can't believe it's it. coming. It's coming. All right. All right. Let's talk some uh, basketball now with uh, former uh, South Alabama and Texas A&M Corpus Christi head basketball coach and a good friend of the station, Ronnie Arrow. Good morning, coach. How are you today? Lee, Mark, good to hear from y'all. All right. It would seem on paper that Connecticut would be an overwhelming favorite tonight based on what they've done so far in the tournament. Is that your pick to win it all? Well, they were, like you, they were one of my original Final Four picks, so I have to go with them. But uh, everything being said, uh, on paper, off paper, um, physicalness, ability to score, inside-outside game, uh, they've got to be the favorites, but you know their their nicknames uh, enforcer. They they like to be dominant. They've beaten their teams uh, ten or more points. Uh, the other ones now, San Diego State. They are the comeback kids. I mean, it's going to be if and when UConn gets a big lead. If San Diego State will be able to come back. Do you see that happening? Do you see this being a blowout tonight? I don't know about a blowout, but I think that UConn will, uh, again, win by at least 10 points. I think they're physical. Now, in saying that, let me say this. All year long, when we did the high school uh, basketball games on TV, I thought the officials, even in high school, were letting the kids play even more. Uh, they weren't calling all the ninny-picking fouls. I think that the reason that this tournament, one of the reasons why this tournament has been so good is that on the men's side, they have let the players play. Uh, they're letting the players decide on who wins the game. And I think that that's a tribute to uh, the officiating. Um, you know, no one wants to see every time down the court a foul called. 
but I think they were very consistent, which as a coach, that's what you want from uh, officials. Just be consistent. And uh, there hasn't been a bone showing, but it's been a very physical tournament. And in my opinion, uh, the teams that were able to sustain that are the teams that won. So does that is that advantage San Diego State for the for being able to play more physical because of the way no. they play defense, or that you think that's still no. advantage UConn? Yeah, I, I think UConn. Now, to me, UConn's like a pro team. Yeah. I mean, they've got size with their guards. Tristan uh, Newton, uh, 6'5", guard. Uh, and, and, again, another factor is if uh, Hawkins uh, is over his flu, he's 6'5". Andre Jackson, 6'6". Six, six. I mean, they, they're big everywhere. Then you have the, the ultimate monster inside um, that is just looming in there uh, on Sonogo. Uh, uh, I mean, he is a monster, and he's also, I'm proud of him, he stepped out and started hitting some threes where the other team were stepping off of him and said, go ahead and shoot. He said, okay, and he made the threes. Yeah. Uh, one, of the pl- one of the areas I would give uh, UConn uh, another advantage is uh, in the emotional or psychological department because I'm a firm believer that there's a good chance you're going to have a letdown after a big emotional win, and I think that's what we saw from San Diego State over the weekend. Uh, I'm wondering how they kind of regroup and refocus at the task at hand. You know, uh, I still believe in the basketball gods. Uh, They've got something playing, too, in this game. But the bottom line is a lot of times the teams uh, affect the basketball gods, and I think it's going to be a very physical game. I hope that the officials continue to let these teams play and not get their best players on the bench in crucial times. Uh, And I think that that's going to be a major factor. I do think that they're going to let them play. I think it's going to be a great uh, David and Goliath uh, match. I think everybody is picking UConn to be able to win their fifth national championship. But, uh, you know, that's why they play the games. Uh, San Diego State has come through over and over again. I mean, you look at the two leagues when you say the, the, the Big East is, is playing, what, the Mountain West? Right there, you, you sort of look at uh, Goliath and David. So you're you're hoping that the officials who called the women's championship game aren't calling oh, the men's game tonight? <laughs> yeah, that 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 was, and and I'm not taking away anything. Uh, I think uh, Iowa uh, played uh, well, but LSU just took it right to them, and uh, you know, I, uh, get into the fouls, non-fouls, uh, technical fouls. Uh, the bottom line is is that. Uh, LSU came out, they shot the heck out of it to begin with. I mean, it wasn't just that they were handed the game. They they shot the ball well. They played good defense. Uh, and let, let's just say this, uh, that women's final game is probably the first time ever that it was probably more publicized. And I know the tickets were a lot more for the girls' games than the guys' games. I've got friends in Houston said can give the tickets away uh, for this uh, game. But, again, uh, welcome to the portal era of Division One basketball. And in my opinion, it's going to be like this every year because of the portal. 
Ronnie Arrow, our guest here on WNSP. All right, sir, so what keeps you busy these days? Well, still doing uh, my camps and lessons on Sunday, Mondays, and Tuesdays. We are doing it across the bay now, grades 2 through uh, well, grades two through six, then seven through twelve. We're going to start our elite camp uh, at the end of next uh, week. So it keeps me busy. Uh, I'm telling y'all, and, and as well as you know, Mark, there's some very good young kids, boys and girls, coming up in this city and in this area. And I'm just happy to be a part, a uh, little part of helping some of them get to where they want to be by the time they get to high school. Well, uh, how We've got some. We've got some. We've got some good seniors, uh, you know, coming up. But uh, we've got some good young kids that are going to be filling in also. All right. Well, if somebody's got a young, uh, young uh, boy or girl wanting uh, to sharpen their skills, uh, how can they get in touch with you to find out more information? Just go to uh, RonnieArrow at gmail dot com. I'll get back with you on uh, Sundays and Mondays. We do it at Nowood Church on Tuesdays. We do it at Fairhope United Methodist Church uh, in Fairhope. And uh, we've been really having some good turnouts. Come be a part. And I promise you our coaches and uh, myself will help your son or daughter uh, get their skills to where they want them to be. Hey, Ronnie, thanks a lot. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll be in touch. We'll do it. Thanks. That's uh, Ronnie Arrow, ladies and gentlemen. Indeed. Uh, He likes Connecticut. I do also, but I mean based on what's happened so far in the tournament. All right, uh, you obviously um, follow us on Fridays as we take Air Sports 1 out. We'll be at Theodore this coming uh, Friday, thanks in large part to Mobile Oral and Facial Surgery and my good friend, Dr. Christopher Mullinex. He and his associates, Dr. Wallander and Dr. Babston, three outstanding oral surgeons available, no referral needed, same-day appointments available at 471-3381. If you have some kind of accident uh, in the morning and uh, you're going to need any kind of oral surgery, I suggest you give them a call. They provide facial trauma, knocked-out teeth, wisdom teeth, dental implants, jaw surgery, and much, much more. They are located at 715 Downtown or Boulevard. Uh, we mentioned the guys that are in the running for our WNSP matchup or um, our March Madness matchup, but uh, look who guess who looks like he's going to finish second in the online bracket competition here at WNSP. That's right, this guy right here. You? Yes. ESPN fan five seven five two four eight five appears like he's going to win. So congratulations to you, ESPN fan five seven five two four eight five. But uh, Heim looks like he's going to lock up second place. I'm looking for uh, Bronner. Looks like he's around 11th. Corey is at 14. Well, I want to go back to you, though. I, I Yeah, let's go back to me. I didn't think you told me you all yours were kind of eliminated. Started slow, finished strong. That's just kind of how I roll when it comes to yeah, basketball. Who, I get better as the game goes on. I mean, I don't know what else UConn to say. UConn going to the Final Four? Don't be all. Don't be all like. Did you have? About it. Did you have UConn in the final four? I did. Okay. Well, any of the others? No. Okay. And Nick, you said you had UConn. No. So Root, you didn't have any of them. Root was twenty. Root is it's twenty six. G money is that you? No. Because G money. I'm, I'm radiog. G money is thirty second. I'm the only per- person that picked Houston to win. Oh, radio triple G. Yeah, you're nineteenth. 
And tied for 19th at that. What do you get if you win? Uh, you're going to finish second, so you don't get anything, right? It's a bragging rights bragging bracket rights. challenge. What's yeah. the winner get? Bragging, bragging rights, rights bracket it? challenge. Bragging yeah. rights. Bragging rights. It's not, all even, not even a hugger you can't or a see decal. Me. You can't see me, Lee. Unfortunately, I can. Yeah, they get unlimited. Uh, uh, I didn't mean that, Mark. I, I know what you look yeah, like. Yeah, I get unlimited. You know why I know what you no look tech. like? Because you put your photo on my phone and I can't get rid of it. You're welcome. <laughs> I can't get rid of it. You can't it see me. It pops up all the I do see you. You can't see me. Don't talk to me. Where did that? Don't talk I, to me. Let's go back in history. Where did John Cena come up with this, though? It's, it's I, It doesn't make any sense to marketing. me. Marketing. The marketing guy. Okay. You think there's what, some guy What's in... your go-to taunt, Lee? I don't have one. I'm not a taunter. Oh, you let your game speak for itself? And I don't have much of a game either. No, but seriously, I came up in a different era. They, you know, people were classy. They, you know, they took, they were wins, losses. They were class. The, the taunting, I'm not sure exactly where it started or who it started with, but... Yeah, we did th this just, you know, when I was following sports, 50s, 60s, 70s, you didn't have this going on. They didn't talk trash? Not that I'm aware of, Chris. Like if, some, if someone uh, hit a shot in someone's face, he just said, good shot. Good soldier. shot there. Good you. shot, young man. Put it there. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, well so Mark, you know how it all didn't starts. Didn't see that one it starts, it starts with the professional <laughs> ranks. It seeps down college. Has sure. it seeped down to high schools? Yet? Oh, is yes, it bad? It's is it like worse that? Worse in high school. Oh, yeah. Is it really? Do you have oh. people going around with "You can't see me"? Yeah, you have. Had, Mark, did you ever show him the video of all those third graders? Oh no! Oh, no. Or they were like talking trash and calling each other too small <laughs> yeah. and cussing each other out. <laughs> oh yeah. no! Show, please yeah. don't. It's on social media. I've seen it Keep like it. everywhere. Uh, but where did John Cena like? You said that was his marketing thing. Yeah, I'm sure some it's guy. Like, go, yeah. I'm you sure. can't see me. Now, I've seen him on movies. I can see him. Oh, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, see, that's like The Rock when he says, can you smell what The Rock's cooking? He act there, Much to maybe your disbelief, there was not an oven right off the ring. Yeah, there was no was candle. There's no uh, stew or something. rock-scented candle out there <laughs> right. that you could can smell. Can you smell what so The Rock is cooking? No, tonight, can, actually. after, let's say, Connecticut wins, are we going to see some of this stuff going on? All right, we only got a minute here, but I'm showing Lee the most dis disrespectful kid team in the history of sports right there. <laughs> it's like these kids are what, third graders? I would I would say second graders maybe, it's but his, probably. It's his third grade okay. basketball yeah. team of all time. My goodness. But again, it we know where it starts. It starts at the professional level and works its way down. So I guess I shouldn't be surprised at what happened yesterday with LSU. And, no. And again, I'm going to say this, Mark. I watched the South Carolina-Iowa game. I didn't really – I was mesmerized by her performance. She was great, Caitlin Clark. But I wasn't thrilled with her after the game, the way she just – I don't know if she was taunting, but the way she was going around and screaming and hollering and doing whatever she does, it didn't impress me. Okay. Well, you're entitled to your opinion. There have been a number of opinions on this. Right. 
And you're talking about Angel Reese. No, I'm talking about Caitlin, Caitlin Clark, Clark in the game oh. on Friday. Right, okay. Okay, Sorry. the game on Friday. No, I, I, I did Well, not... that's why there's so many people that believe that she— yeah. that. That I didn't can't see get mad the end. At Angel Reese. I didn't see the end of the game yesterday. So you did. I didn't. So I can't. I don't. All I got was if if it's good enough for Caitlin Clark, it's good enough for somebody else. Now I didn't realize that she ran around specifically to to track her down. Yeah. Get my GPS. I'll get you. <laughs> I'll find you. You can't. You can't get away from me. There's Lee's new smack. He's going to be getting I'll the GPS. I'll find you. <laughs> I'll find you no matter where you go. This court isn't that big. Wow. How about that? Got the tracker. So when it. you saw that yesterday, were you upset by it? Did you think it was such a bad thing? Yeah, I didn't like the way that... Um, I didn't like the way that she lo- like went literally looking for it. It'd been one thing if they crossed paths. Part, man. Huh? Right, but as if well, like if I were her coach, I would have a serious issue with that. Um, would you talk to your team when you well, you're still coaching now? Would you talk to your team if they taunt? Oh yeah, you do. Oh, good yeah. for but you. What Mark. if it was directly at the player that's been just taunting everyone? Oh well, in that case, the I'm the one doing the taunting, and then you yeah. finally <laughs> best them. You gotta throw it back directly at them. Nope. You do it. Do it. Yes. <laughs> no, just just kind of point. Just do it. Just do it. This dude sounds like a Nike commercial. Mike Rodak is next. Stay with us. Play whatever role they needed me to be. And tonight, I was fortunate enough to be a defensive stopper. Kayla, you had an amazing game. You're a great player. But you got to put some respect on LSU. Some uh, post-game audio there, Nick. Who was that? That was LSU player Alexis Morris. Okay, I she was wasn't she a transfer from Baylor? I have no idea. I think I now look. I'd have I'm going to have to Google this. I had heard because they were talking about transfers on the morning show, uh, the overnight show. The transfers like Reese and like uh, Jasmine Carson. In fact, I think she transferred from two different schools, Mark. But I had heard that Morris, and she was the one who was pretty outspoken earlier the weekend that they were going to, that Caitlin Clark wasn't going to have that type of game against LSU. But I, on the overnight, and I'd have to look this up, maybe a really off base, that she was actually thrown off the team at Baylor by Kim Mulkey and winds up LSU for Kim Mulkey. Get that. Store that one away. We're I ready will. to talk some Alabama. We are. All right. Uh, Mike Rodak is on the line with me right now from AL.com. He covers Alabama. Good morning, Mike. How are you today? Doing well. I think it was my first weekend without basketball or football since August. So that's never never a bad thing, personally, for the family, I'll say. <laughs> so, so, Mike, before we get to what we've had, do you, is there a go-to for you for trash talking? Is there something that you like to do to trash talk, whether it's your, your family or, you know. An Auburn reporter. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> what, what do you do to trash talk? I, I try not to. I mean, I remember when I was playing sports, there was uh, there was very little reason for me to trash talk. If I was trash talking, <laughs> I certainly wasn't backing it up. So, I never had the, uh, the luxury of trash talking and backing it up, shall we say. You, I guess with an Auburn reporter, you just kind of like pointed parsley or something, right? 
Yeah, yeah. Well, there's definitely, <laughs> definitely some truth to that, but I don't, I don't come across those guys too often. Mike, I'll tell you, uh, I wanted to get to football with you, but I'll start with basketball. There's been, what, at least four, maybe five Alabama players that are seeking the NBA draft, or is it the portal? What, where does that roster stand now, starting, of course, with Brandon Miller? We know he's declaring, but I've seen where others are either declaring or going to enter the portal. Yeah, exactly. So it's five total. One has gone into the portal. That's Namari Burnett, who within less than 48 hours already found a new home at, uh, at Michigan. Um, so I'm actually a little bit surprising on his end because, you know, he didn't play all that well last year after he got back from his wrist, his wrist injury. And, you know, he's been banged up his entire college career. And, you know, Michigan's a good program. Made a down year, but that's a really good program. So he must have you know, you can, I think, assume in the transfer portal these days that there's some money involved, and I'm sure he got a, a decent deal from them. So, um, you know, that's that's an interesting move. And then, you know, the four guys going into the draft, you know, Miller is the headliner. You know, it could be the second or third overall pick. Noah Clowney also went in this weekend who, you know, at, at one point this season was probably brushing up against being a lottery pick. I think that is probably not going to happen for him, but he's, you know, late first round. I think ESPN has him 20th overall, and there's no indication in his announcement Saturday that he's hiring an NCAA certified agent. Because if you do that, then you're allowed to come back by May 31st, pull out of the draft, and go back to college. There's no indication of that in his announcement, which usually, if they have any idea or any thought that they'd come back, they'd put that out there. Uh, so it really seems like Clowney's gone, um, which, you know, is not terribly surprising. And then the two guys who have the, the opportunity to come back will be Betty Ako and Javon Quinterly. Quinterly could come back for a sixth year uh, if he wanted to. And those guys will kind of explore the draft. I don't know if they'll get invited to the combine. You know, Betty Ako might have a better shot of that. Um, the combine's in the middle of, uh, of May, I believe. And then they have, you know, until the end of May to, to pull out. So they can both come back. They could both stay in the draft. One of them can stay in the draft. But. That's five guys right there who are who are gone. Um, on, on top of the two guys that are graduating, you don't have any eligibility left, which would be Noah Gurley and Don Welch. So that's potentially seven guys um, out of their 10, 11, you know, rotation that are, are gone. So that's that's more turnover than I would have expected a week or two ago if it all kind of happens that way and those guys stay in the draft. So what do they have coming in as far as either commitments or signees? Yeah, so there's. Um, now there's only three signees. There used to be four. Um, R.J. Johnson out of Huntsville, um, you know, I guess asked for his release last week, which you know might have been more of a an Alabama thing. Them asking him essentially for the roster spot back. He's a three-star prospect. It was you know a little bit surprising that Alabama at, at kind of where they have the program right now would take somebody who's a three-star. Um, and you kind of see in general, you know, college basketball teams going away from high school prospects and. and dipping more into the transfer portal. So they do have three guys coming in from high school. One of them already reclassified uh, and actually came in early during the middle of the season. So he technically, technically was a freshman this past year, Davin uh, Cosby. And then they have two uh, forwards, Sam Walters and, and Mo Diabate coming in. And then Chris uh, Parker, who is a, a forward as well, um, is committed but not signed. So he'll probably sign, you know, basketball signing day, I think it's two weeks from Wednesday or a week from Wednesday. So, um, he'll be on. That's four freshmen essentially coming in. They've already had one transfer come in, Jaquan Walton from Wichita State, who has kind of bounced around. He started at Georgia, went to Shelton State, Tuscaloosa, then went to Wichita State. He's going to need either a waiver 
uh, from the NCAA, or he's going to need to graduate uh, in order to play right away at Alabama uh, because of the rules. So we'll have to see, you know, if that happens. But um, I still, on top of that, would assume that they're going to go for at least another one to three players in the transfer portal, depending on what happens with Bediaco and, and Quinterly and how many roster spots they have. Mike Rodak, AL.com. You covered Alabama's game against San Diego State. Are you surprised the Aztecs are in the national championship game tonight? Not really. I mean, they're, that's kind of what it takes to win in college basketball is, you know, an older team that, you know, is tough and can kind of hang around when um, you get into some tough situations in the tournament. San Diego State did that. I mean, they were down, what was it, 14 to uh, FAU. You know, they were down Alabama 9 in the second half, and uh, they, they found a way, and that's that's what you need to do. And I think you could just tell, covering that San Diego State game, that even when Alabama was up nine, um, I mean, you could feel the momentum in the building, but you could tell San Diego State was still going to hang around, and they did. And then once they kind of got it going and they turned it into a nine-point lead, you could just feel like Alabama was, was shaken. Um, their confidence was gone, and San Diego State had the confidence. They were the older team. Um, Alabama's freshman, you know, Brandon Miller, no, most notably, just they, they didn't show up the last five minutes of the game. They, they couldn't shoot. They, other than, you know, Mark Sears, I think, scored seven points in a row there at one point. But that team just didn't really step up in that moment. moment. And I think San Diego State did. And they did it again against FAU. And that's, that's what it takes. Now, UConn is, you know, the more talented team. UConn, I think, has a lot of the same traits where they're tough, they're physical, they're strong. They, they probably... I mean, not in terms of the score, but I would say in terms of just an overall beating, they probably gave Alabama its worst loss this season. You know, Oklahoma looked worse on the scoreboard, but you could just feel the physicality of that, of that UConn team when they when they beat Alabama in November. And uh, I would lean towards UConn winning that game tonight. Michael, switch to the Alabama football program. Still a couple of weeks away from the A-Day game. Why don't you kind of bring us up to date on what you've heard, seen, and start with the quarterback competition. See nothing. Um, as usual, they or not as usual. It used to be that we could see practice, but that those days are long gone. So we haven't seen anything. Um, we're just kind of, and they don't let in any photographers. They don't let in any cameras except for their own, and then of their own photographers and cameras, they carefully curate the photos and the videos that we see. As we all saw on social media the other day, when you know they had that uh, video of Jacory Brooks making the catch and over uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry in the end zone, and it, it was kind of creative in the sense that they didn't show who threw the ball. Um, and then Jalen Noro came out and on Twitter and essentially said, oh, you guys are not going to tag me. You're not going to give me credit for that throw. Um, but, again, it all kind of goes back to, like, they don't want to tip their hand. They don't want to show anything about the quarterbacks. Um, there's just very little to kind of go off of unless you, you know, break into the building and, and watch practice on, on your own. But, um Obviously, that has its own pitfalls. So, uh, you know, it does seem like Jalen Milrow is, you know, because he's the more experienced guy, has that that first-team role. How much that means on April 3rd, I don't think it means a lot. I think it's still a situation. You know, Saban even said this to um, Heather Dinich the other day. Like, it doesn't really matter where you start. It matters where you finish. And at this point, you still have three more weeks of spring practice and then five weeks of fall practice, you know, before your first game. So there's a, a lot of opportunity for Ty Simpson to kind of come along. Um, but, you know, there's – I don't think he's come along in sort of the big picture as much as Bryce Young did his first two years or his first year plus at Alabama. And those are two five-star guys. But, you know, Ty Simpson's definitely a notch below 
um, and I think a notch behind in terms of just getting up to speed to being a, a starter at Alabama. So we'll have to see how that comes along. Um, again, there's, there's still a lot of time on that, but um, you know, beyond that, it's it's a team that you know is, is going to have to win. I think running the ball more than what they've done, and it's a team that is replacing a lot of guys on defense, especially in the secondary. And um, you know, it's, there's potential for you know some younger starters back there. Whether it's Caleb Downs coming in as a freshman, or you know Malachi Moore is not young, but he hasn't really started at safety yet. So that's that's a brand new position for him in terms of you know being there full time. And there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of question marks with this team. We'll have to see how it all kind of comes together between now and you know the second week of September when Texas is walking in and, and they need to win a pretty big game. Anything coming out about the new coordinators? Yeah, you know, I, I asked Saban on um, was it Thursday night about Tommy Reese because there's been a lot of talk about, you know, Reese comes in, here's what he ran at Notre Dame. Notre Dame's obviously a very tight end heavy offense. They're a run heavy offense. I think people automatically assume Alabama's going to run that. But, you know, people do have to remember it's still going to be Saban's playbook. It's still going to be what Saban wants to run. And so I, I basically asked Saban, I said, you know, how much um, – because he had, he had talked about balance, too. He's always wanted more balance out of this offense this year. And I said, how much did you get away from that last year? And how much can Tommy Reese bring in from Notre Dame that helps that? And he answered the first part of the question. And he essentially said, I'm not going to um, criticize what we did last year because we did what we needed to win, which is true. You know, they had Bryce Young and they had a running back in Jameer Gibbs who was much better as a receiver. And they just kind of did what they did last year. And I didn't, he never really gave me an answer about Tommy Reese. Um, and again, I just don't know if we're going to see Alabama personnel-wise. It's not best for them to be lining up with two or three different tight ends and running the ball 70% of the time. They still have some pretty talented wide receivers, and in theory, they should have talented quarterbacks. So um, I don't think the pendulum is going to swing too much backwards, but it's going to swing a little bit, and that's that's still something we kind of have to feel out as, as we go. And you know, I think Kevin Steele defensively is just he's steady. He's, you know, he's kind of what he's saving. The guy Saban knows, that kind of knows what to do. You know, I, I don't know if there's going to be a ton of changes there. Obviously, it's still Saban's defense. I think it's more just kind of a an older set of eyes and a more experienced set of eyes on that defense. And you know, I think there's some sort of hope there that they can kind of get players to play more disciplined and more sound. But uh, schematically, I don't think anything's really going to change that side of the ball. Mike, we always appreciate you coming aboard, man. How can people continue your follow, your coverage of all Alabama athletics? Yeah, AL.com and uh, on Twitter at Mike Rodak. Hey, have a great week. We'll be in touch. Thanks for thanks again. You got it. Thank you. All right, that's Mike Rodak, ladies and gentlemen. One final segment of the day. Try to help Lee out here. And I do need a lot of help All on right, this. All right, so specifically the John Cena, you don't see me. Yeah, I've never heard that you before can't until yesterday. Okay, I didn't even know what it meant. So you And why is that taunting and what's the big deal? Well, basically it's saying you can't you can't guard me, you can't stop me. It's basically calling somebody out. Okay. So Reese, who does his scores only fifty. Would she have 20 points, 15 points? 
and Clark has 30. So if Clark scores, what, 15 or 20 points more than you, obviously, I mean, I don't see the point. Well, I think at that point she's probably talking more about us as a team. So that I could understand. Not about – And then the ring. Because usually taunting's individual, right? You Like when I, – I can't stand when players pound their chest, like big deal. Do you – do you see a lot of I see it all the time now. A player, a player scores a basket. They're pounding their chest like big deal. So they score one basket. They're lit, Lee. Yeah. They're who? They're, they're lit. lit. Lit what? <laughs> what do you mean they're lit? Help me. They're fired up. They're lit. Yeah, like, but that's like one basket out of about 140 points in a game. Don't well, you want someone to bring the, that intensity every possession? That's the now? emotion. That's the, that's the that's just the kind of the emotional reaction. So I guess you're not a fan of when like when somebody goes up and gets the end one and they kind of flex. They're like, like yeah. No, you, I'm you, not you like that at all. No, I'm not. But I mean, okay. You get that a lot. But go back to the John Cena thing. So I don't yeah, I don't right. see where that's so detrimental. I mean, like it doesn't mean anything to me now. You see me, you know, you don't see me. It's like, kind of like it. You're, I mean, if no, official. if if she went up to her and pointed a finger in her face and you stink or something, is that what we're talking that's about? Basically, the same kind thing. Of, but you're doing it a little more subtle. Okay. Okay. Look, here's the official definition. From knowyourmeme.com <laughs> on what you can't see me means. You can't see me is a catchphrase and taunt said by professional wrestler John Cena. The line is accompanied by a gesture in which Cena waves his open hand in front of his face. The catchphrase is meant to indicate that John Cena is too quick for his opponents to see his actions coming. Online, however, jokes about the catchphrase involve people joking as though they literally cannot see John Cena and that he's invisible. As big as he is. Yeah, that's like the joke. Yeah. See, they'll post a picture like of John Cena at the red carpet, and then all the comments will be like, I don't see anyone. <laughs> are, you, are you following along? Yes. I'm, now, I'm I will give you that over time— the sport of basketball, which is a team-oriented sport, has gotten very individualized. There are a number of people. Um, every once in a while, you'll get a guy at some level be celebrating a shot or a three down 20. And you're like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> like, what? Okay, so is Kalen Clark the first person that we know of that actually use that phrase other than john cena i mean no. is there anybody else no, in sports lot, that does it a lot of people do. all right okay i've done right. it like it's a common just, like you did yeah like i'll walk by like one of the guy and i'll just yeah you it's do totally you're yeah, 45 years old you're like what are you doing why well i'm just having some fun i'm not actually trash Mark talking anybody you mean you do that as a coach on the sideline or no i'll mess with some of my guys okay yeah, I mean, I'm not. Oh, and by the way, how old is John Cena? Do you think? I have no idea. Okay, he's forty. Forty? Is he really? He's forty-five years old. What about? But he's not wrestling anymore, is he? He's no, he was at he WrestleMania. Wants. Oh, he this still is. I just see him in the movies now. I, I didn't realize he's still out there. He I looks, think when if they can cut him movies. a big enough check, he comes out and makes a little cameo appearance. I got gotcha. you. Okay. Kind of like The Rock yeah. sometimes. Though. Now, is that the worst case of taunting saying something like that? I I can no. think. No, I would think can, there's, there's a lot more. Well, I, just off the top of my head, I know that there was a taunt that Montrez Harrell directed to Luka Doncic that got him fined. What did he? What did he say? Can it you had say to it do on the with uh, his, his <laughs> Luka ancestry? Being a white guy. Oh, 
Um, so, no, taunts can definitely be a little more aggressive. Because I've heard stuff like, you know, players get really upset if somebody taunts them by basically targeting a parent, especially the mom. Your mama! Yeah, there we go. There we go. That's what I'm referring to. What, what do you think about the rock the baby taunt? I, I heard that this morning. Like, so what? That's cute. I thought that's, oh, cute. that's cute. Yeah. When someone calls oh, you a baby? No, nah, it means the game is over. You know, ba go to sleep. That's what it means. I mean, that I can, that's, that makes sense to me. Like, hey, we've got you down. We've, you know, it's a better way of saying we've won the game. Do you think that's more insulting, though? No. Instead of saying, you can't see me, I'm no. too quick, I'm too good. And Not at all. Then being like, hey, you're a baby. I just you babied you, Shereen. I'm going to but rock all you that to means is that the game is over, You're go to sleep. You're a mouse in the house, and I just babied you. <laughs> Your game is over with it, go to sleep. That's all it means. But they, see that. But, what if he busted out in the second half? I mean, in the first half. That's the thing. They It goes on throughout the course of the game. So it builds. So I do that to you. I'm like, ah, mouse in the house, I just babied you. Oh, this is not you're at the end short, of the game. right? Yeah. And so now you come back, and you hit a three, and you're like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right. yeah, it's, yeah, it grows, right? Right, and so that's how that's that's why you know it gets more and more competitive, and they keep talking, and before you know it, someone's throwing a punch. Well, I can imagine now that's really going to spark this happening more often with that term, based on a national TV game, and the way it all came about that this is going to become a more of a prevalent phrase. The John Cena thing? Yep. No, it won't, because John Cena's phrase has been around for years. Like yeah, but not publicized like this. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it has. Not, no, it hasn't. I've never even heard of it before. Just because you haven't heard of it doesn't mean it hasn't been out there for years. Where did, you hear, where, where did you hear about it first time? John Cena. He used to do it no, on forget the commercials. Cena. No, I'm talking about. He used to be on the like, no, USA no, 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 Network no. commercials. I'm talking about since him. Forget no, him. I Put think him. a lot of big. Look, other players do it across all sports, all leagues, all levels. I think it just got blown up now because. Caitlin Clark, one of the five greatest women's basketball players ever, did it on live TV and then had it done right back to well, her. And then Cena actually tweeted at her or about it oh. uh, earlier in the tournament. So that's certainly, oh. I mean, you know. Who are the other four great players, uh, Nick? I don't know, but she's definitely top five. <laughs> I don't have, like, the order. Well, give me, like, ten then. Just give me, like, six or seven. She has to be top five. She has to be. I'm saying, yeah, you're probably right, but there's got to be some on Connecticut. Got to be some on Tennessee back when. Put probably um How about that girl from Oregon we talked about uh, last Ayanascu. year? Yeah. Yeah, she's probably up there. She's the only person who has more triple doubles than Caitlin Clark. Okay. <laughs> I just, just like making, how you, just you make this. a little fact in there. You know, I think one of the issues with, with your arguments is that every – Every time you have an argument, it's the best ever, the ever, 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 ever. The top five. Why don't you just qualify yeah, in my in not, my? But you can't name five, five women's yeah. basketball players. Okay, can't you just say in my lifetime instead of just saying ever? No, you can't because it's true. But how how do you how do you put somebody best all time when you have like no basis to you when, have no when your first all time in tournament scoring? That's a big deal, right, people? 
Second all-time triple doubles. That's a pretty big deal. It's also a big Top deal five that all-time oh, wait. scoring in scoring. That's but it's a, a big, big deal. deal that they didn't win the title. You make women's basketball a thing that people care about. That's a big deal. You play like Stephen Curry. You play differently than any other women's basketball player that I've ever seen. No one's running oh, there off it screens is. like that. I've ever seen. Nicely done, baby steps, Nick. Well done. Because <laughs> she plays in a new way. That's current to this generation that was not heard of back then right steph curry played in a different way that no one had ever seen before he changed nobody the back then in that generation knew what this meant for those that can't see me i'm doing the john cena so maybe this means it's the one of the greatest Look, taunts you, you, ever you put caitlin clark on the first ever <laughs> wnba team we'd be talking about her like she's michael jordan Dude, you put me on that first of Exactly my point. <laughs> oh, okay, guys. All right, what do you got going tomorrow there, Mr. Cena? <laughs> you don't know. And I'm not telling you. No, I'm going to tell you. I'm serious. All right, we got, we're going to really follow up on the game. We do have Jerry Palm. And Richie Riley's going to join us tomorrow to sum up that game. Plus, look ahead to the Masters. You know, he's into golf these days. All right. That sounds like a good one. Today was a good one. We appreciate you being with us until tomorrow at 6. See ya!